Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Ashley. And this is Locked in a Closet. Join us as we tell each other stories of true crime, the paranormal, urban legends, and all things spooky. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. How are you today? (laughs) Same as last week. Same as it'll always be. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I don't know where this came from. (laughs) I know, right? I was just like, feed off it. Okay, we're there. (laughs) Uh, This is supposed to be an escape for people. And I feel like, too, we're just like, yep, life is exactly the same as it's Everything always been mediocre yeah let's talk about honestly I'll, t- I'll take <laughs> i'll take mediocre over th- everything's on fire and this is fine but it's true which is also is where we're true at. at least we don't have burning matches flying down from our ceilings so it could always right the episode was insane i know <laughs> i like i oh, was so scared the night after i wrote it i was like don't invite anything into your house by like thinking about this too much yeah Yeah, I know I always feel like that I'm always just like even today I was sitting downstairs on my new couch because I'm so excited about (laughs) it um and I was working and uh I usually just put like YouTube on in the background just like as background noise and I was just watching like paranormal videos like people's personal stories and I had to turn them off I was like I can't do this today (laughs) I'm just not in the mood Sometimes you need to be in that like mind space because yeah, yeah. Well, and also because I'm home alone, I forgot that my window upstairs was open. Oh no! So I was like (laughs) hearing stuff, and I was like, "What's happening?" But it was because people were across the street. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I always have a tendency to like read all of the scary stories or watch like scary like youtube compilations of ghosts when i'm alone and like jeff's not going to be home till late that night and then Mm -hmm. it's like why did i do this i know i know it's oh my god we're kind of wimps (laughs) i yeah i'm a huge Uh, i love this stuff ghost stuff all the time we're just like "Eh, no it's okay (laughs) i love it i also simultaneously don't believe in it but also believe in it and then i get very scared (laughs) Yep, me too. <laughs> you basically I just saw, described me. <laughs> yeah. I saw a quote, or heard a quote rather on TikTok the other day that fucked me up. It was like, if people break into your house during the day, they want your stuff. But if they break into your house at night, they want you. I was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> I don't want that in my head now. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. No, I didn't do that. But we have an alarm system for a reason. So yeah. Well, that's good. good. Yeah, don't even try. <laughs> it's because I'm too paranoid. Yeah, really. I mean, all you hear about. I know, like a couple months ago, or maybe it was like last fall or something. Somebody was like on the run who had murdered somebody. Oh my gosh! In like Carlton Place, and I was like, Oh, I remember oh. that. <laughs> and they put like an Amber Alert out. I was like, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, I work at home. <laughs> I'm alone today. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. Know. I was like. Mm. <laughs> not loving this today heck no just makes it too real if you like read about stories from like forever ago it's like nah whatever that's not gonna happen to me and then it's just like no somebody like close to you just murdered someone and ran away it's like oh shit (laughs) when we first moved into the house that we live in now and we're kind of like out in the country and there was like a 
community Facebook group that we had joined and mm-hmm. people were talking about like this rash of break-in. So of course that's when I was like, we need to get a, an alarm system put in, mm-hmm. but people were like talking about like this one person was saying they were in their hot tub and they saw someone come in through their garage. They had just oh like, first of all, like I lock every door like behind me after mm-hmm. if, if it's like, especially a door that goes to the outside, like mm-hmm. they're just like, leaving and their kids I guess are like upstairs in bed and they just like saw this man enter their house while they're oh, in their hot tub God. like absolutely not terrifying yeah we lock every door Michael like if he leaves to go like run an errand or whatever he'll like lock me in <laughs> like I can yeah. hear the lock like closing yeah. on the door which I appreciate because yeah. oh yeah don't want just any sets of the that. alarm <laughs> every time he leaves like he resets it yeah I d- Sometimes I'll have it on during the day, but like I also like to have the patio door open for like a breeze. Don't yeah. please don't come and break into my house. <laughs> <laughs> I have two big scary dogs, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> also, we just won't tell people where you live. So yeah, <laughs> please don't try and find me. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah. oh, my story that I'm doing today is from like the '60s, and people oh, really? just didn't lock their doors. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm that like, was how. <laughs> That's scary. I don't understand how that was a thing, how that still is a thing. I don't care where you live. I preach this to the day I die. Mm -hmm. I don't care where you live. It takes you two seconds. It's not an inconvenience. Yeah, exactly. You don't know if you don't. Yeah. And if it's like too fresh, like we have one of those front doors, like we put it in where it's like the keypad. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to carry a key, you don't have to fucking carry a key. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like those so much more than keys. Yeah. It's like, the house that I grew up in had one of those. And then when we moved, I like had to have a house key. And I was like, I've never had a house key before. Yeah. This is weird. I was like 17. <laughs> like, I have no idea. <laughs> That's like, um, I have friends that have like those cars that now I feel like I said car last episode and now I can't <laughs> stop saying car. Oh no, there's a spider on the wall. <gasps> oh no. Oh no. What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> How big is it? Get a book. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's a smaller one, but um, oh, it's not too bad throw your shoe at it <laughs> I move? yeah i'm gonna move i'm gonna go to my bed <laughs> give me one second pause for spider break yeah i respect this <laughs> anyway did you want to talk about murder today? yeah <laughs> murder of the spiders yeah <laughs> yeah is it it's me t- me first right? yeah you can go first okay all right so i am doing the murder of Ronald Platt, or as the media calls this, the Rolex killer. Ooh. Yeah. Fancy. <laughs> so on July 28th, 1996, the badly decomposed body of an unidentified man was discovered off the south coast of England. I promise this is a Canadian story, just also <laughs> okay. happens in England. <laughs> there was nothing on his body to identify him except for a Rolex wristwatch. Say that five times fast. Uh, good because luck. That's that was my eighth try. <laughs> yeah. Luckily for the deceased, his Rolex watch would be the key that solved his murder. See, on the back of his watch, there was a serial number and other markings that were used to identify the deceased man as that of Ronald Platt. Um, because, you know, especially expensive watch watches like rolex like keep vigorous records of like who buys and who owns Mm -hmm. their product and stuff and they were also able to determine his exact almost exact time of death and date because oh 
I fucked that sentence up. They were also able to use the watch to determine the almost exact date and time when Ronald died since the watch stopped working within three days of movement. So it was one of those watches that you like manually wound with like Mm -hmm. movement. And so the battery would die after three days of no movement. So they were able to determine when he basically died, which is crazy. And the watch was fully waterproof. So like nothing got damaged. Like the mechanism was all fine. So Rolex seems to be worth it. There you go. So it was determined that poor Ronald had been recently invited to go out on a fishing trip with a friend, a man by the name of David Davis. And it was on this fishing trip that poor Ronald met his death. I know what a name, right? Like, I feel like I mentioned this on the podcast before, but my old doctor was Donald McDonald. It's like, (laughs) Who lets so their bad. kids name? <laughs> Her names are kids that. Oh. So Ronald had actually met Davis and Davis's wife prior in the year 1990 in the small town of Harrogate. I hope I'm saying that right, England. It just so happened that Davis and his wife had just recently moved to England from Canada. And Ronald was thrilled as he too was a fellow Canadian. Their friendship blossomed and they ended up going into business together. So Davis invested a large sum of money into Ronald and they started a TV repair business together because Ronald was like a TV repairman. So they like just broke out and made their own. So during their friendship, they obviously often talked about Canada a lot and how much they missed home. And Ronald had mentioned that he really wanted to move back to Canada. Like he was really missing it, but like couldn't afford it. So Davis generously told Ronald that he would pay for him to relocate back to Canada under the condition that Ronald leave behind his identification so that Davis could still run their business together in England. Oh, no. Yeah. So I'm talking like driver's license, birth certificate, and a stamp that had Ronald's signature. Oh, my God. So everything you need to fully take over someone's identity. (laughs) I'm not sure what Ronald was thinking, but he agreed. So in 1992, Ronald moved back to Canada. And I feel like you know where I'm going with this because his body was found in England four years later. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a happy ending for poor Ronald. So, of course, while Ronald was gone, David obviously stole his identity. And he lived under Ronald Platt's name for the next four years. And everything was going fine. It was going according to plan. So who was this David Davis man who managed to trick poor Ronald and steal his identity and then ultimately kill him. So David Davis was actually a man named Albert Johnson Walker and he was from Hamilton, Ontario. Albert and Johnson he went Walker. By David Davis? I know, right? Oh my god. He chose that. <laughs> it's like being like, hello, I am John Smith. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. So Albert Johnson Walker was a Sunday school teacher and a financial consultant in Ontario. He had a wife and four children. And was all things considered living like, you know, the typical dream, American dream, Canadian dream, whatever. (laughs) Despite being a high school dropout, Albert worked his way up through the banking system and he was able to quit and establish his own bookkeeping business that eventually turned into a large financial company. So, you know, classic Drake started from the bottom. Now he's here. He (laughs) made it. And he was an exceptional salesman, so good, in fact, that he actually managed to steal just over $3 million from his friends, fellow churchgoers, and family. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he wasn't ethical, (laughs) as we all know now. 
However, Albert wasn't as smart as he thought he was, and his scam was quickly revealed when his clients started demanding their money back, and he was not paying them back. And so Albert was going to be charged with fraud. So under this weird guise of him, like, taking his daughter on a skiing trip to Europe, which I'm not too sure, like, when you're in the middle of a fraud investigation, if you're allowed to do that. Yeah. He and his 15-year-old daughter, Sheena, fled to England in 1990. I, I don't know why he just took one daughter or any of his daughters, but he took Sheena. Yikes. Yeah. And he took along with him, like, all of the money that he had stolen from all his clients. And then assumed the name David Davis. Like a dumb So, dumb. yeah. <laughs> well, it worked for him for a little while, I guess. <laughs> Albert's daughter, Sheena, then assumed the identity of his wife. Ew. Mm-hmm. Which is not only weird because of incest, but she was also only 15. Oh, so God. weird and gross. Yeah. And during this time that they were in England together, she gave birth to two children. And the paternity of these children is still technically a mystery, but I feel like we kind of know. Not a mystery. I feel like we kind of know, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, uh, allegedly, please don't sue me, Sheena. (laughs) (laughs) You could have had those children with English men and. Let's hope. Let's hope. So with Ronald Platt gone back to Canada now, so now we're back, and Albert Walker assuming his identity, everything was going smoothly for five years. It went fine. He assumed Robert uh, Ronald Platt's identity. It wasn't until 1995 that everything fell apart when Ronald Platt returned back to England suddenly to surprise Albert slash Davis, because he's got <laughs> slash Ronald, all his different names. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Ronald had run out of money in Canada and decided to return back to England to rejoin his business partner and continue on in the business. Of course, Albert slash Davis was in a bit of a pickle now. Everyone knew him as Ronald Platt, and he just couldn't have the real one running around ruining the illusion. Oh, my God. Right? So on July 20th, 1996, Albert slash Davis invited Ronald out for a fishing trip where he knocked Ronald unconscious tied him to an anchor and then threw him overboard i kind of hope that he killed him before he threw him yeah because i feel like that's rough without the murder part of this it kind of sounds like a Lindsay lowen movie from like <laughs> the 90s <laughs> she's the man but yeah with fraud and murder <laughs> yeah like it just sounds like it could be like a like mary kate nashley type thing yeah like, weird <laughs> oh my god So it was two weeks later when Ronald's badly decomposed body was then found by another fisherman and the investigation began. Of course, when the police looked into Ronald Platt, they discovered that he was still alive? Question mark? (laughs) No, of course, it ended up being Albert slash Davis reassuming (laughs) Ronald's name. Um, However, he was quickly arrested and charged. And during his trial, he he was found guilty of murder and received an automatic life sentence which he was serving in England at the time. Would you not... Sorry, would you not think that, like, if you killed somebody and you were also pretending to be them, that you would definitely be, like, the number one suspect? (laughs) Like, I feel like... I think he thought he had done the perfect murder because he stripped the identity of this guy. And this guy wasn't a UK citizen. 
So, cause he was Canadian. So I think they, he thought that like, there's no way they're going to identify him, but Rolex came in clutch and solved right. the murder. Thanks Rolex. Yeah. yeah. Sponsor so- our next episode yeah. if you want. <laughs> I will happily take one of your watches. <laughs> so eventually he was actually then transferred back to Canada for some reason. I'm not too sure why, cause he did have a life sentence in the UK. Mm-hmm. But here he faced his charges of fraud and money laundering. And so he basically was given the rest of his life sentence here, plus whatever the fraud charges were. Right. Um, It's also worth noting that a lot of the money that Albert stole and brought to England still remains missing. He managed Mm -hmm. to hide it away and it's just gone. Wow. So hopefully he never gets out and gets to use it. Yeah, really. I also want to know that his daughter, Sheena, has since spoken out about her father and her time with him. He is an evil man and a con artist who manipulated me and lied to me just like everybody else, she said in a Globe and Mail interview. She's particularly worried when he was transferred to Canada. Just about the rest of his sentence, she worried for his safety. She really didn't want him to even be in the same country. I don't blame her. Mm -hmm. I completely believe that she was really probably manipulated and taken advantage of when he took her to England. Yeah. And probably sexually assaulted yeah allegedly so but yeah so that's the really incredibly short story of the rolex killer as the media likes to call it but ultimately it's the poor murder of or the murder of poor ronald platt a canadian who just trusted too much yeah i mean if anybody is just like okay i'll pay for this if you give me all of your identification Mm -hmm. and your signature (laughs) like maybe don't yeah <laughs> do maybe think that one a little through yeah let's do a, a pro and con been, like really desperate to get back to canada if he was willing to do that yeah. or just like way too trusting i mean i feel like trusting is definitely part of it but maybe yeah. desperate okay. it sounds like they had a, a friendship like they ran a business together so i could see why you would be like why couldn't i trust this guy it wasn't just like some random guy they had yeah. built like a friendship for years yeah that's so shitty which is really fucked up that the guy could just like kill him in a really awful way i promise i will never steal your identity (laughs) and i promise i will never just let you have my identity great it's a good thing now that i have a very real rolex that i wear every day oh i know (laughs) please don't take it off when you murder me (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah okay well, I am doing uh, the Shell Lake Massacre, which is Ooh. in Saskatchewan, because I haven't touched there yet. Mm-hmm. No one wants to touch Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> in the early hours of August 15th, 1967, on their family farm near Shell Lake, Saskatchewan, farmer and war veteran James Peterson, his wife Evelyn, and seven of their children were shot dead. There was one survivor of the attack, four-year-old Phyllis Peterson, who was found hidden under her bed sheets in between two of her sisters. <gasps> oh. It, yeah. <laughs> this poor little girl. Yeah. In an interview, Phyllis recalls knowing that there was someone in the home, and she reported uh, that she heard her five-year-old brother, William, fighting with the person quite a bit, and he was oh. telling him that he could go out and shoot the cows rather than his family. <gasps> Five-year-old. Oh. Um, and she also said that she didn't remember hearing any gunshots, which I guess is probably good. 
Yeah. I remember the story now. I was going to cover this the oh, really? last time we did. Yeah. And then I don't know why I didn't do it, but oh. Oh, it's a heartbreaking one. I know. It's so sad. Uh, so there was another sibling as well. A uh, 19 year old Kathy Hill was a newlywed who had just moved to BC with her husband. Mm. So 21 year old Victor Hoffman was responsible for this random act of violence. He had just been released from a psychiatric hospital in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, just three weeks oh, before no. the killings. <gasps> That's like a scary movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, it was reported that Hoffman had been hearing voices and having hallucinations about the devil and angels since he was six years old. And at 10, he started feeling the impulse to kill. To kill. Why did they let him out? I don't know. <sighs> oh, no. So he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, however, he was released to his parents' care on tranquilizers. Oh, no. So Hoffman left his parents' house uh, just before sunrise on August 15th and drove aimlessly until he spotted the Petersons' farmhouse on a rural road. Uh, he claimed that he had never seen the house before. However, the voices told him, that's it. This is where you have to go and do it. <gasps> oh, my God. So yeah. It's like a completely random fuck that is that has honestly been my nightmare because like when i tell people like oh i'm scared of like being broken and murdered they're like why would anyone want to do that to you i'm like sometimes it's just random sometimes it just happens yeah yeah so he also fuck you i'm pretty murderable no (laughs) (laughs) why wouldn't you want to murder me yeah (laughs) please don't (laughs) um so he parked his car and made his way into the home uh, armed with a 22 caliber browning pump action repeater rifle if that means anything to anyone oh doesn't mean anything to me no sounds like a toy yeah Yeah. it makes me think of a christmas story you'll shoot your eye out kid (laughs) (laughs) that's all i can think of when i think of any gun ever i know (laughs) so james peterson the dad he tried fighting hoffman however he ended up being shot 11 times in the family's kitchen Jeez. Evelyn, who was the mom, uh, they believe was trying to escape the home through a window with their one-year-old son, Larry, and the two were shot behind the house. Okay, I know we're talking about a really, really sad thing, but who looks at a child and goes, Larry. Larry. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, condolences to the family, but <laughs> Larry. <laughs> a baby named Larry. Yeah. <laughs> You gonna put that one on the list for your son? Oh yeah, it's right at the top now. <laughs> so precious. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so the other children: Jean, who was seventeen; Mary, who was thirteen; Dorothy, who was eleven; Pearl, who was nine; William, who was five; and Colin, who was two, were all shot uh, close range while they were asleep in their bedrooms. Um, except oh earlier it said that William was fighting with the guy, so I don't know about that. That's crazy. Um, Whenever you hear these like crazy massacre stories, when it's especially with it's like a gun, it makes mm-hmm. makes me wonder. I'm like, did they not hear? Although I'm a heavy sleeper, so it's hard to judge. But yeah. man, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. No one had even a chance to react. I guess. Ugh. Yeah, or like you wake up and you're just like paralyzed with fear. Yeah, or like, like I guess you hear me. it, you hear something, and you're like, you wake up and you're like, did I just hear dreaming. something? Yeah, and then it's too late. They're already in your room. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a pretty small house, too, so he didn't yeah. really have to go far. Well, I'm sure all the rooms were, like, shared. Yeah. Um. So there have been conflicting reports as to why Hoffman didn't shoot Phyllis, the four-year-old that survived. 
in one statement, he said that he didn't know why he didn't shoot her. And then in another, in another interview, he said that she had the face of an angel and that's why he didn't shoot her. So she's lucky. Holy. Yeah. I feel like I may have written this down wrong, but Will Drew Land, I guess was the guy's name. (laughs) I don't know. Um, He found the bodies when he arrived to help Mr. Peterson with farm duties later that morning. So he had to travel six kilometers to the nearest telephone post in order to report (gasps) the the murders to the police. That would be one long trek. Yeah, I know. Wow. Um, So obviously a manhunt started immediately for the killer. And then when the police got to the scene, uh, Phyllis recalls an officer holding her and crying as they left the house. So this is when she kind of realized how bad it must have been because like, growing up you hear like police officers are like the strongest people and like they're like yeah. super tough and stuff and like he's like holding her crying so she was just like oh shit i mean she was oh four so God. she didn't say oh shit but you know what i mean <laughs> i mean <laughs> she may have who knows yeah so Jeez. rcmp arrested hoffman on august 19th so three days four days after he did it uh at his parents home So he told officers that he had fought the devil before the murders. So following his arrest, he was diagnosed again, I guess he did more testing with paranoid schizophrenia and he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. I don't like that. I know. I don't know if I agree with it. It's controversial. It's controversial. And he was committed for treatment at a mental institution in Southern Ontario. So starting in 1992, Hoffman was allowed to go off, camp- off campus with escorted passes, despite frequent reports stating that he was not mentally stable still. So this is like similar to my last true crime story. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't. Why? Canada. I We're know. too nice. Yeah. Rick. Um, so luckily, he never killed anybody else when he was off on his escorted passes um but in 2004 on may 21st he did die of cancer but to this day this crime is still widely known as canada's worst random mass murder wow yeah following (laughs) the murders uh the family's oldest child kathy she ended up moving back to saskatchewan to take over the farm and she ended up raising phyllis like as her own which is kind of nice that at least they had each other yeah and then like through the years the two have spoken out about the mental health system in canada and just saying how like they don't recognize when people need actual help until it's too late and they can't do anything about it which is that i totally agree yeah yeah so yeah that's that wow (laughs) another short one but you know you know what that reminds me of too is the the what, was it vincent lee the guy on the bus that decapitated the guy and mm. cannibalized him mm-hmm. um so he's out now oh, i don't know if you oh god really and he's changed his name because are you allowed to do that and he's not being i could be wrong this is the, the last time i did this the research on this um he's not like i don't think he has to check in with anybody like which oh is concerning because in short, basically he was schizophrenic, I think too, and was on meds and then went off his meds. And that's when he murdered that guy on the bus. I'm forgetting his name. I'm really sorry. And then he obviously, same thing, pled insanity, was found not guilty as for a reason of sanity, in insanity, mm-hmm. spent time in wherever. And he's 
released and just lives a normal life in you'll love this manitoba <laughs> so it's not real yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so he lives somewhere in winnipeg i think and he has like a whole new identity which i just i know i guess people can change and mental health is serious and can make people do things but like was- i feel like if you have like a track record of doing stuff like that yeah. you need to be monitored and you need exactly. to like somebody needs to make sure that you're still some, on your meds some sort of parole issue thing yeah yeah like checking in drug tests to make sure it's in a system like mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah I-, I i have problems with that one yeah and i have problems with the whole mental health issue in canada as mm-hmm. well like it's, it's not taken seriously yeah enough. And i was actually doing some research on that today for my boss and uh like it's just insane like psychiatrists specifically is what i was doing their research on and it's like the number of canadian citizens or like people living in canada or whatever to psychiatrists the ratio is like seven thousand something to one so it's like there's no way it's not enough yeah no like it's insane and psychiatrists are people too like it's not like they could just take on like all these cases no like they're still gonna need (laughs) some help themselves and one of the toughest jobs out there i imagine yeah yeah just like anything really in the mental health industry is it's not easy no and it's it's pretty messed up like back where i lived in coquitlam in bc there was like an old mental hospital that's it sits now it's a movie set essentially but it's abandoned Mm -hmm. but everything goes to film there and they did they actually did just rebuild a more functional hospital on the grounds recently Mm -hmm. it was being constructed before i left but at the time when they closed it down, I think, in like the 80s, maybe 90s, maybe 70s, around then. They literally took all of the patients on buses and drove them out to a, t- a, a town nearby and then dumped them. So now oh. there is like a huge homelessness issue in this town that's still still an issue because of what happened back in whenever this mental institution shut down mm-hmm. and it's not just like they're homeless people but they're mentally ill homeless people so it's yeah. like they can't even do anything to help themselves oh like oh my god it's just that's what that's what happens in canada that's, that's how they deal with it like oh close yeah. them down just ship them out of town yeah or drop them off like somewhere like i feel like a lot of people don't realize too but like you need the government doesn't pay for mental health services like no they do, like normal <laughs> like stuff in canada you know like we have good health care while well, we have okay health care yeah but we like you have to pay out of pocket if you don't have insurance for mental health stuff and a lot yeah. of people don't realize that and like no, a lot of people tough. can't afford that like it's a lot yeah. even for like i was seeing um a registered psychotherapist which like she's still very qualified everything's fine but like yeah she's like a couple like levels below like the highest and uh like level of education yeah and like it was still like i think it was like 150 bucks for 50 minutes that's like, cheap it, it, I, yeah i know yeah, yeah. that's a good price yeah like, and that's insane. sad yeah. yeah i know when when my brother passed away obviously i needed therapy mm-hmm. because everyone needs therapy but yeah. that was especially and i had medical coverage insurance coverage through like our work my work and jeff's work and stuff and i still could only do four sessions free and it was four hundred dollars an hour so i got my four sessions out and then i was like well we've opened up that can of worms and i can't afford to close it yeah yeah it's insane it's insane 
Yeah, it's and like and that is just for a, a normal therapy thing for me, but people go through much worse or like have more serious mental illnesses. Like yeah. my anxiety I can cope with, but some people can't cope with you know bipolar disorder or yeah. you know schizophrenia like some of it's dangerous yeah like as bad as my anxiety gets sometimes like I'm so lucky that all I suffer not even suffer all that I deal with is anxiety because like there's so much worse out there that I could be dealing with and I mean I can't afford (laughs) to go all the time even with my benefits like I can't like it's a lot you know it's a lot yeah and like the the amount of therapy I need (laughs) is like a weekly (laughs) maybe twice a week like yeah just to cope through like and it's just anxiety and stuff I can manage yeah nothing luckily for me like gets in the way of mm-hmm. living my normal I know some people really struggle with like leaving the house and yeah I'm not quite there luckily so mm-hmm. but some people do and I'm like I fucking get it I'm like that close <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean that being said like we should just say if you are experiencing anything like you should reach out to a therapist yeah just like make and it work if you can there's a lot of different options I feel like I complain and then I don't like there is websites that are cheaper and mm-hmm. you can do it online and, and or do some research too because a lot of places do like a sliding scale like if you don't have yeah. insurance they'll like if you tell them that then they will be able to charge you like a reduced rate which is yeah. great but exactly or some will take you on almost like pro bono mm-hmm. if you really are like poverty stricken like Mm -hmm. and there and yeah and I think there's like programs and stuff you can get into through the government which are probably full or few and far between yeah a lot of places too they offer like EAP sessions through like your job so I mean Mm -hmm. if you're lucky enough to have that like try to get that figured out exactly yeah and you know there's better help if you want to sponsor us (laughs) that's the one I always hear yeah yeah there's lots of different options it's just tough because because it's easy to say that and I I say that but I'm also the type of person where I am so anxious that I cannot reach for help because it makes me anxious yeah Yeah. like when I did go do therapy Jeff set it all up for me and I didn't have to deal with it and like it really helped because I was like I can't call and make appointments sometimes like it just something about the phone freaks me out yeah Sometimes you can do it all online too. Like there's a website called psychology today. Um, There's like an American one and a Canadian one. You can just do like a proximity search with like your postal code or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then like, that's where I found my therapist and like everything was over email (laughs) like until we actually (laughs) met, which was so great because I didn't want to call. Oh, I know. Right. There's definitely, there's resources out there. Totally. And I know it's easy to say, just go find them. It's hard because sometimes you just, you're not in that space to even. 100%. 100%. Sometimes it's nice when someone does it for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, if you can't afford therapy, like, talk to a friend or yeah. like a parent if you're close. Write with a them journal. Or... Trust yeah. me, getting it out sometimes is even enough. Yeah. Like, just saying it out loud and like letting that energy exit your body. Mm-hmm. It sounds so spiritual and I'm not, but <laughs> sometimes it helps where I just like, sometimes I just need to say out loud, like, I'm not feeling cool today. And yeah. then later on, I'm like, okay, all that everything that I've like kept inside is out so I can feel a little bit better a little relieved yeah, yeah. or you could scream into a pillow 
or if yeah. you have your life together, you can work out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not I saying find... that one from experience, but you know, no. <laughs> apparently it helps. <laughs> I find for me, and this is just totally random, if I do one thing off a to-do list that's been stressing me out, even if it's unrelated to the anxiety I'm feeling, I'll feel a little bit better. Like mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I've done like one productive human thing today. I can I can feel good and or I can feel shitty. Yeah. <laughs> but you give yourself permission to feel shitty. One other thing that I do sometimes is I just clean. <laughs> like I find cleaning helps me with anxiety. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I, am... I don't know. I can't function if my like space is like disgusting, you know. No, so yeah. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna clean, get everything organized, and then maybe yep. my brain will work better. It's a great distraction. I clean constantly. That is my coping mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fine. It doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with a clean house. No, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, we are not professionals. <laughs> no. <laughs> the uh, advice from professionals, but you know, yeah. we're just putting it's it just out there. one mentally ill person to another. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, this is kind of a depressing episode, as the true crime ones mm-hmm. normally are. They always end so sad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's murder. <laughs> it's not a happy thing. No. I like, that's why I like, sol- uh, sorry, I like, I like talking about the ones that have been solved. Like, yeah, I try to avoid the cold cases, even though like they need exposure because it's like some someone could break the case. But when there is no justice mm-hmm. it hurts a little harder it does yeah it definitely yeah. does anyway what are we talking about next we don't know oh it's like a wild cardy one mm-hmm. we did we did werewolves and vampires so oh i did say i wanted to talk about windigos i yeah. did say i wanted to talk about windigos <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll do some sort of like cryptid, cryptid. thing yeah next okay. episode Look at us figuring it out as we go. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if other podcasts are more organized than we are. Probably. But that's not fun. That's not fun. (laughs) No, not at all. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Locked in a Closet Pod, Twitter at L-I-A-C Pod, and on Facebook at Locked in a Closet Podcast. Also, we'd love it if you would share your spooky stories with us. You can email us at lockedinacloset_pod at gmail.com and we'll share them in a future episode. All right, guys. Until next time. Keep on creeping on. <laughs> <laughs>